Welcome to the Human Flourishing Project. I'm your host, Alex Epstein. Today's episode is entitled Lessons from Fasting. And it's about my experiences attempting to fast in the last two and a half months or so and what I've learned from them so far. So the genesis of this was we had an episode, I think it was over two months ago, with a guy named Ray Cronies, whom I'm a fan of. And he had a book called The Health Span Cookbook. Health the Health Span Solution, rather, which is primarily a cookbook, but also has some very interesting analysis of nutrition and the evidence about nutrition. And I had reached out to Ray in particular because I was interested in eating less frequently for health reasons, but also for convenient re- convenience reasons. And Ray advocates a bunch of things, including a plant-based diet slash regimen. But when I asked him what's the most important thing or what's the first thing, he said, okay, the main thing to do at first is just space your meals more. And I was skeptical of this. I mean, I guess I thought I could do that, but at the same time, I would eat meals pretty pretty frequently, and in particular, I would feel compelled to eat in the late evening and also at night, or at least sometimes at night. I would eat. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night. If I woke up in the middle of the night, I would feel hunger, and then sometimes it would help me go back to sleep to eat something. But I remember Ray told me something something to the effect of, "Hey, if you can, if you can do all the stuff you do in your." your job, like prepare for debates and stuff, you can figure, you, you know, you can train yourself to fast. And that made sense, but it, it still seemed unlikely just because it, it was very unfamiliar. So I tried fasting and I, I went about it in a certain way, which I think was the right way to do it. And it, it gives me ideas for how to approach other things, which is that I tried to start spacing my meals slash fasting. I'll use those two terms interchangeably. I tried to do that in the least disruptive way possible. So, for example, I didn't start not eating meat. I didn't, and I I didn't impose any new constraints on the composition of my meals. So, I was using the Thistle meal delivery service, and I continued using the Thistle meal delivery service. And I I used the option uh, that has meat in the dishes, and I'm in fact still doing that. And I also, in terms of you know different kinds of protocols, there were all kinds of you know there's intermittent fasting protocols where you have a six hour feeding window or some an eight hour I think is the most common, and that seemed like a lot to start with, given what I was used to. So my, my friend Chad Morris told me that he he had just, he would have a rule where he would just use a 13-hour minimum window. And there was an app he introduced me to called Zero that I guess there still is. And in Zero it makes it super, super easy to track your fasts. So I just said, okay, I will just commit to a minimum 13-hour fasting window at some point. And that would be a significant change for me, but it will not be it's not the kind of thing that I think would be incredibly disruptive. And on most occasions, I think I can meet it. You know, if I end up sleeping eight hours or over an eight-hour period, then it's just five hours on either side of that. And a friend of mine remarked, 
is that really very impressive? You know, you just eat dinner at seven and you you eat breakfast at eight. And I said, well, for me it is because I was eating. I would not leave that much um, of a gap. So by but so nevertheless, this was a significant change for me. But it was I was trying to make it minimally disruptive, but still significant in its impact. And so here's what I've noticed about the about how it's gone. So I mean, the, the first thing is that it's been something that I've been able to do, according to the Zero app. I don't have it in front of me, but I've done at least 60 consecutive fasts, probably more like 70. And in terms of the 13-hour minimum, I've hit that every single one of the days except for one, and that one I just I just forgot. It wasn't that I was so hungry. I just had a meeting that, I, that was an hour and a half or two hours, and, and I just wanted to eat something before that, and then I had forgotten what time I'd eaten the previous uh, day. So... The overall experience has been, yeah, this is at least at this interval, um, you know, at least this kind of rule with the 13 hours, it's been something I can do. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the benefits that have come with it. But in terms of just how I've I've progressed, one evolution has been uh, reducing my number of meals to two meals a day. So at first I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily doing that. I was eating on most days three meals a day and it would... Some you know I, I would be kind of uncertain about when to eat, so I would have this longish fasting window. But then the rest of the time, it wasn't it wasn't too disciplined or planned. And then uh, I realized that two meals a day works really well for me if I eat one in the early morning and then one in the early mid afternoon. Particularly in my schedule, I, I'm often going to ju- to jujitsu class to spar. And then I go to the ocean, and then I'm back home at about two thirty, and then if that's a good time, or if I have a call right after that, then after that is after that call is a good time, and I just find that yeah, I can eat then, and then have very little hunger issues for the rest of the day, and sleep through the night fine, and even wake up in the morning and not be super hungry. But if I, I find that if I uh, start eating at around noon or something like that, when I try that, it just, I would just not feel good a lot of the mornings. And I would just have this, it would, there would really be this tension between focusing on the, what I wanted to focus on work-wise and then wondering, hey, when am I going to get to eat versus when I would eat, when I could eat as soon as I wanted to when I got up, then I was already full and not thinking about food. So there was the two meals a day. There was the doing the one in the early morning and one in the early mid-afternoon. And then the other thing more recently, this has been a general trend, but particularly in the last two weeks, I guess, is just noticing that for me, uh, focusing on adding more vegetables to a given meal. So I use this thistle delivery service and they, they give you often these salads and they're they're good, but often they're a little bit dense. They, they fit in a certain kind of container. I mean, dense, I just mean that the, the volume of it is is low um, and relatively low, and then that doesn't fill me up as much. So I find that if I just get some bags of cauliflower rice and then prog- and mix it into the salad as I go, then it tastes pretty good, and then I become much more full, and that's a nice kind of um, uh, benefit. So th- I'm, I'm focusing on this in part because people might be interested in fasting, but also because I think it's in an illustration of the benefits of trying to create a new habit 
that is significant, but doing it in a minimally disruptive way. And then part of that is it can evolve. But the evolution, I think it's easier to have the evolution once one has a start than to just expect it all to happen at the beginning. For example, if somebody had said to me, even, hey, you can only eat in the morning or you can only eat two times a day, that would have been really hard for me to do. And I wouldn't have known how much to eat and it would have been a pain. But now it's totally fine to say, okay, you can eat only two times a day. And I don't I don't even have that as an absolute rule. It's just that that feels uh, the best to me. So in terms of the benefits of fasting, one, as you might imagine, is some fat loss. So I don't know, it's probably on average about seven pounds lower uh, than I was before. Another thing I like about fasting is it's it's one of these, I'm using the term value lever. So it reminds me of meditation and that, hey, with meditation, you know, I know that if I do it, I'm going to have more energy than when I started. Although, as I talked about two weeks ago with meditation, I think there are a lot of other benefits of meditation besides energy. But I like, it's a very powerful thing to say, oh, I know that if I do this, I'm going to get some benefit. So it's nice to be able to say, oh, I can, if I want to lose fat, I can, I can fast or I can, you know, or I can adjust the amount of vegetables in the meal and not have too much sugar, probably not have too much fat. So that's a nice thing to have that kind of of lever. And I never really felt like I had that um, before, in part because of a lesson. So I'll jump to a lesson, which is this. Now, Ray, I think, put it as hunger is not an emergency. I, I think of it as feeling a hunger related sensation does not necessarily mean my body needs food. That's been a huge realization because I can experience that feeling that is hunger or seems like hunger and just say, okay, yeah, but your body is totally fine. And then sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's different. But if I, if I just feel some pang of desire for food three hours after I ate my first meal, that's not something that's really going to be a problem if I, if I ate the meal properly. Now I have a pretty good sense of how full I want to be, uh, after, after the meal. So there's the value lever. Another nice thing about it is that it it very much limits the worst case scenario in terms of food consumption. Because if I'm only eating twice a day and I have this window, it it just prevents kind of oh get up in the middle of the night and you know uh, not be able to fall asleep and then order some room service if they have it. That's just the kind of thing I've done on more than one occasion before, and it just makes it easy to put all of it. It just makes it easy to pile on a whole bunch of. Uh, of calories. Another benefit I'm finding is that when I'm only having two meals a day, I have a lot more awareness about the consequences of my actions. I feel like I'm being more farsighted and thinking about what I'm eating because I know that, hey, what I'm going to eat is going to affect me for the next eight to 16 hours. So even right before this, I was just finishing my afternoon meal and there was this, I had eaten a bunch of different things. And then I had this bowl of soup and the soup had, I think, two potatoes left. And I could just feel, oh, wait, I'm the exact amount of full I need. I'm not going to eat those, those two potatoes because it's just going to make me feel heavy and it's not going to be necessary to get me through the night. So I just think about, okay, what's necessary to get me through the night, get me through the fasting window. And then I want to be just full enough where I'm, I'm confident I won't have any issues, but not beyond that. And that who knows that might change over time. Maybe I'll even want to be less full 
than I am now, but this is still a big improvement compared to before. So I mentioned uh, lessons from this. So one is this lesson that feeling a hunger-related sensation does not necessarily mean my body needs food. I'm going to think about what are the like what are the equivalents of this in other fields because the, the body and mind are so interesting in that we can get certain kinds of feedback and sometimes it's incredibly valuable and we don't want to ignore it, but sometimes there's an allusion to it. Like you think, oh, I, I can't like I can't possibly do this work and then I spend 10 minutes on it and then I'm totally into it. So it's a whole interesting issue of how does one know when not doing something or doing something is is like there's a real kind of need there or whether it's some kind of self-deception. I don't have a really good answer to that. If any of you do, I'm I'm interested. Another lesson, and this applies to other people, but for me personally, it's just I'm more adaptable than I thought. I really had somewhat of an identity issue of, oh, yeah, I'm the kind of person who needs to eat before bed. And even like I get hungry in the middle of the night and I just thought of, oh, yeah, this is this is just the way I'm. There's something about my body. And now I'm just I was at a party last night and they're serving food and just I just didn't even like, no, there's no chance I'm going to eat this food. I'm, I'm done eating for the day. I don't need to eat. And it's just, oh, wow, I can actually do this. I mean, just to give you an idea of how big the contrast is in my case, when I would check into hotels, and, and this is not in some long distant past, this is six months ago, or probably even four months ago, uh, I would... You know, if I would be there late at night, I would be super concerned with, okay, how do I make sure I get enough calories before I go to bed to make it through the night? And sometimes I'd make sure, oh, I have a snack on hand in case I need to eat in the middle of the night. And notice the word need. It's just, yeah, I really need it. Like, oh, something's going to really go wrong or I won't be able to sleep. And it's just not true. So it's just, wow, my body could adapt much better than I thought. And then the final lesson and this is the broadest lesson that I mentioned earlier, which is just when thinking about habits that I want to change, look for meaningful but minimally disruptive changes. And that's I'd be interested in for listeners of the show what what you think of in this category. You know, what are meaningful but minimally disruptive changes that you could do to create better habits or just better results in general? Just some a small one with me is uh, I I take our dog out. Uh, to go to the bathroom in the morning. And it's recently switched from doing that at 7 to doing that at 6.30. And it just turns out 6.30 is way, way better to take him out. I mean, he likes it more because he's already sleeping quite a bit, so he has to go in the morning. But I like it more because it's a really good landmark for me to do my meditation before 6.30, and then that means I can start usually writing before seven. And it's just a, it's just a great, uh, and then I also eat after I meditate so I can, I can start eating. Ideally I'd eat even before Sherlock or at least start that, but it's just, oh wow, a seven for me. You know, if I, if I do the meditation at, if I do the meditation at seven or it gets delayed and it's just, it just delays everything else and just has this negative cascading effect. And so that's just, that's a small thing. It's not hard to execute on and it actually makes it uh, much, much better to have, okay, Sherlock's going out at 6.30, so I need to finish, I need to start my meditation, let's say at 6 or 6.10 at the latest so that I get it done. 
Another one for me is, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but I have an I, one of the iPods, uh, no, the modern iPods, probably the generation before the previous one, although they look very similar. And for me, just a, a minor change I can make is keeping my iPod on me during the day, but not my iPhone. Because my iPod, at least with when it's within Wi-Fi, it can receive a certain kind of call. So if someone really needs to reach me, they can call me on FaceTime audio. But besides that, the you know there there's very little on it. There's only productivity apps on it. So there's Otter, which I really like, and a handful of other things. But it's not the same. Doesn't have all of the different kinds of enticing, stimulating things that my iPhone has on it. And it just it's not like I, if I have my iPhone, I'm just going to be on my iPhone all day going down rabbit holes. But it does, it does definitely change my behavior, and it's it it makes a difference, particularly if there's something difficult that I'm working on where it requires an extra degree of focus, and that's where I don't want something super stimulating to be there at the ready to distract me and then dissipate my energy, and then I'll feel like, oh well, I can't do the thing anyway. I'm tired, uh, so I got to go. <laughs> do something besides this difficult thing that I'm working on. So those are just a couple of examples. I, I'll want to think of more I'm interested for any uh, from any of you, any ideas that you have about uh, meaningful but minimally disruptive changes uh, that, that you can make that would be beneficial, particularly in terms of developing beneficial habits. So that is everything for today. As always, if you have any questions, comments, love mail, or hate mail, you can email me at alex at alexepstein.com. No response promised, but I like to read them, uh, your messages a lot. If you want updates via email about when the new shows come out, go to humanflourishingproject.com. And to discuss this episode or any other episode, go to facebook.com slash humanflourishingproject. Okay. That was a fun episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been the Human Flourishing Project.